0: You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen to today's episode of the podcast. And I'm going to be diving into a topic uh, that came to me uh, by email. A regular listener sent me an email and asked me this question. And so we're going to be talking about uh, video campusing, pre-recorded sermons, uh, and basically attending a church where, where the sermon you're hearing is not coming from a a live communicator in the room, excited uh, excited to answer her question to dive into this. Before we do that, quick reminder to everyone, please make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. It's the only way to guarantee that you never miss an episode. Whenever you are subscribed, every episode gets delivered directly to your device. So head on over to whatever podcast app you're familiar with, whether that's iTunes uh, or the podcast up on your Apple device, any of the Android apps like Podcast Addict and so many of the other ones, uh, or some of the other third-party podcast-catching apps uh, like the Stitcher or Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, or or Google Play, uh, feel free. You can find the podcast on any of those. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. All right, let's dive into the question at hand. Uh, A few weeks ago, got an email from a regular listener asking about churches that use video sermons you know a lot of churches have uh, multi-site you know they have multiple campuses and therefore maybe they record the sermon at one campus and then they show it at the others or in some cases maybe they even uh, they stream it in you know from one of the campuses to the other um, and so the, the question I got was you know what do you think about uh, churches that use video sermons? Uh, is this right or wrong? Uh, great question. I think there's a lot of people that will hear a question like this and will be even surprised that this is an issue. Um, I think because of the because of the, the, the kind of the technology that's available and because of the, the nature of you know of our society, I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't even think twice about this and they would say, "What's the big deal?" Uh, which is interesting because you know about uh, you know 20 years ago. The idea of a video campus or pre-recorded sermons uh, was very odd in most church circles. So we, you know, we've really uh, come a long way in, in the way that uh, society has kind of evolved, or at least how the church community has evolved. Let me state right off the bat, as I've said in so many other episodes uh, previously in, in a variety of different topics... Um, in a lot of these areas, when we're, when we're kind of asking these sorts of questions, uh, there's not necessarily an absolute right or wrong. You know, certainly uh, a church that uses pre-recorded sermons is not sinful, um, and, I, and in my opinion, I don't know that churches that use pre-recorded sermons or live streaming or whatever um, in their building. Can make the case that that's the ideal scenario. Either I, I, I don't think that either either side can make an argument that they are right or wrong, right? And, and I'm again, I'm always cautious to to label anything as sinful unless there's something very clear in scripture. And so, you know, let me tell you, if you are attending a church that does video campusing, you know that they have a a campus that shows pre-recorded sermons, or maybe it's just one building, but they have pre-recorded sermons. Like right? there's a, a very large church out of Oklahoma. Um, and, and they have these, what they call network churches or affiliate churches. Uh, basically, they are local churches that are autonomous. They're not multi-site. There's just one church in one city. Um, but rather than having a live preacher, they they get the pre-recorded sermon from this large church in Oklahoma. Um, so if you happen to attend a church like that, I am not telling you to leave that church. I'm not telling you that that, that church is wrong um, in, in what they're doing. Uh, there are a lot of great, great pastors and great leaders that I respect a lot, that do use some form of a video. Um, you know, gives give you a couple examples. Uh, guys like Matt Chandler and John Piper. These are two pastors in our country that I have had tremendous respect for for many years, and they, uh, and you know, they used video campusing in their local church contexts uh, where they are. Matt Chandler's in Dallas, and John Piper uh, was was a pastor many years in, in Minneapolis. Uh, the, the kind of the most famous pastor in the country that's been doing it for the longest period of time, I think, uh, is a guy that, by the name of Craig Goshell. He's the lead pastor of the real large church in Oklahoma. Um, I happen to you know, like a lot of what Craig has to say. Craig Goshell and I would disagree on a lot of theology um, and we probably disagree on some of our philosophies in, in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I like a lot of what Craig Goshell has to say. I think he does a, a lot of good. So, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not against it, and I'm not saying that it's wrong. However, I do want to state clearly that in my opinion, I don't believe that video campusing is the ideal. Um, and you've heard me say this before it, with a variety of other topics. Like There's things that are not necessarily wrong, but I don't know if it's the best. And, and I think there's a variety of reasons. Um, Interesting to note that a lot of the large churches that are that have been using video campusing um, are starting to move away from it. Specifically, I just mentioned Matt Chandler and John Piper. Um, Matt Chandler, the lead pastor at the Village in Dallas, they're actually moving away from it. So, um, you know, the, the idea of video campusing or, or streaming to multi sites really started to be used in the early 1990s. Again, when it first started, a lot of people thought it was weird and, and didn't really want to embrace it. Um, But right around 2005, 2006, it really seemed to take off. And really got really popular, and so over the last ten years, it's really become a a pretty normal thing in a lot of church circles, and doesn't seem to take most people, you know, um, by surprise anymore. Um, But it is uh, it is starting to lose its its popularity a little bit. There are some people that are starting to move uh, away from it uh, simply because, in their minds, they kind of like the live communicator. And so I, I think there are some both practical and theological reasons why having a live communicator in the room is the Ideal scenario again. I'm not saying it's wrong to do a video or to have a live stream or a pre-recorded sermon. I'm not saying that's wrong. And even if a church does it on occasion, I don't have an issue with that. Uh, but again, in my opinion, I just don't think it's the best. Uh, here, here, here's one practical reason. Uh, this may seem minor to a lot of people, but I think it's important. Uh, when you're communicating to a live audience uh, as a preacher or a speaker, you can kind of read the audience, right? If you're making a point. That that they, they they seem to be really kind of absorbing. you can kind of tell, and maybe maybe you spend a few more minutes, you know, camping in that. Or maybe you're making a point and you're communicating something, and you can kind of read the audience or you can feel the emotions in the room, and maybe the audience is not quite getting it. maybe you haven't quite yet explained it. So then you can kind of then, you know, you can kind of then re-articulate it, or spend a few minutes explaining it, or, or sometimes when you're communicating, you can communicate a point, and it's very obvious that the that the room they get it, and you don't have to belabor it. So you can kind of move quickly through that point. Like the the whole idea is that when you are communicating, when you're preaching to a live audience, you can really get a feel for you know how the people in the room. Are absorbing what you're saying, and you can kind of really adjust accordingly on the fly. Let me give you an example. With this podcast, right? I, I do theology for the rest of us. I oftentimes don't know when to slow down or speed up. I often don't know, you know, when to kind of camp on a point for a long period of time or when I can kind of breeze through it. And it's not until I get feedback from people that people tell me, "Hey, when you said this, you could have said this better," or when you said this, you might have maybe made them want to pause and and really kind of, you know, unpack it a little better, right? Because I don't because I'm not uh, with you in the room, when you're listening to this, I don't know what you're getting or not getting, so it's harder for me to adjust. And so from just from a practical standpoint, just as someone who's communicated a lot, I've preached a lot um, in my lifetime, in my 20s and 30s, um, I've realized that from just from a practical standpoint, that when I'm preaching live, my ability to connect with and adjust to the audience makes my communication easier clearer and more dynamic therefore it's more beneficial to the audience so if there's a church that all they do is video preaching or if that's the bulk of what you're getting what you're getting could still be great teaching however you're never having a communicator that is adjusting on the fly To you in that room. And so I think you just potentially are missing something. Again, that may seem very minor to a lot of people, but but for someone like me who really loves the art of communication and I really think it's important, I I don't like missing out on that. Even with this podcast, it bothers me that I feel like I don't necessarily always know how people are receiving this, so I don't always know exactly how to tailor it. Um so even for me, I, I I appreciate that and I think that's really valuable. So that's a practical uh, element from a philosophical standpoint uh, there think there's a really good reason why there should be a live communicator uh, and that really comes into contextualization um, if you know if you have a live communicator a pastor who who spends time with those people who pastors those people who who can preach a message exactly to what those people need, um, that's going to be way better than someone who doesn't know them. So if you are at a church in, let's say, Phoenix, and the the preacher on the screen is being streamed in from Seattle, well, that's not as helpful to you because that person in Seattle is preaching to people in Seattle, not to preach people in Phoenix. Now, in general, is the gospel the same? Of course, like, are is biblical truth and biblical values the same? Of course. However. Preaching is most effective when you can contextualize it to the people in that audience. So if there's a pastor preaching to his people, people that he knows, people that he understands, people that he has spent time with, that sermon is going to be much more effective. He's going to be able to present gospel truth and contextualize it to that group of people far better than someone outside. And that even happens within a small community. Like Just for example, you know, for, for many years, I've been a part of a church in the Orlando, Florida area where... With a predominant, with a a lead communicator, preaches from from, uh, the western suburbs of Orlando, but the same church has a campus at the Disney World campus. Well, um, excuse me, at Disney World, that's really designed for Disney cast members, people who work at Disney. And so we have a campus pastor who preaches the same message, but he contextualizes it for the Disney employee. Like the, the average person living in the western suburbs of Orlando, even though they're only 20 minutes away from the Disney World, you know, uh, Metroplex, they they live a different lifestyle. So, It's the same sermon. It's the same biblical truth. It's the same gospel message. um, But when you contextualize it to the people living in that arena or who are living that lifestyle, it typically will be more potent. So if we just video stream the sermon from the Western Orlando suburbs into the Disney campus, what's not going to be nearly as effective, right? Is it still going to be great preaching? Absolutely. Is it still gospel truth? Absolutely. But it's not as effective because you have a local pastor who knows those people who can contextualize it for that particular group of people. So from a philosophical standpoint, I think in many cases when you're streaming it or doing pre-recorded video, I think you miss the element where, where you can contextualize the message for that particular group of people. The last reason I think it's important to have a live communicator is a theological reason. Now, I will concede up front, this, this answer or this reason is, is much, much weaker than most theological arguments that I would make. So, so if someone disagrees with this or rejects it, um, I'm not going to argue with them uh, because I, I, I'm willing to concede that my argument here is not very strong, but it is my theological leaning. Uh, I simply have a feeling that in my opinion that, that that the church service is a dress rehearsal for heaven and i didn't come up with this idea on my own this has been an idea taught uh, by many people you know over the last several centuries uh, this this idea is really rooted in what we call the regulative principle. If you're not familiar with that, uh, it's the the principle or the idea that the worship service within the church uh, should be governed uh, directly by the commands and instructions we find in the Scripture. And so this has been widely embraced, uh, you know, within a variety of church circles ever since the Reformation. And so you know, one of the ideals that has come out of the people who have embraced regulative principle is this idea that the church service, you know, the local church service should mimic or reflect what we see in scripture that heaven will be like. And so one of the things we do is we have a, a an elder or pastor who does the teaching, he does the shepherding. He he in some cases is a representative of Christ who is present. So in heaven Christ will be present as he shepherds us through worshiping the godhead for all of eternity. Well, In this case, the the teaching elder or the lead pastor whose preaching should be shepherding us in the church service as we worship the Godhead. And he represents Christ. Christ is present. Christ is with us. And the moment you have a teaching pastor or elder who is at a different location, who is not present, you now no longer have the kind of some of these some of the the elements of the regulative principle at play. you no longer have a present chief shepherd in your midst representing Christ, shepherding you as you worship the Godhead in a church service. Your church service is no longer a perfect dress rehearsal you know, uh, for heaven. And so the idea is that from a theological standpoint, your church service should mimic heaven or what a worship service in heaven might be like. And therefore, your teaching elder should be present because Christ will be present. If your teaching elder is not present, then it symbolizes that Christ is not present. And therefore, you are now misrepresenting the character of Christ by the structure of your video-campusing church service. Now, no doubt, I will concede again that the theological argument or the the basis for this theological perspective um, is limited. Again, it is my theological preference, um, but if someone were to reject it and say, hey, I don't know that I agree that there's a strong biblical argument there, um, I'm not going to argue with them. I I get it. I will also concede that the regulative principle and other uh, similar ideals have no doubt lost their popularity over the last 60 to 80 years in North American Christian circles, uh, the regulative principle and similar uh, philosophies have really gone down in popularity. And so there are many churches that uh, reject those sorts of ideals and therefore would probably reject the theological argument that I'm setting forth why I think video campusing is not the best idea. Again, let me make it clear do I think it's wrong or sinful? Absolutely not. And, and, and maybe your church has some great preaching going on through video. That could be the case. Again, I'm telling you there are people that I respect that have used it as a very effective tool. I'm just telling you my opinion that when I evaluate some practical reasons, some theological reasons, some philosophical reasons, it is my opinion that video campusing is not the best. Is it wrong? No, I just don't think it's the absolute very best option. I think most Christians are way better off attending a church where the pastors know them well and then preach to them live on a weekly basis a gospel message that is contextualized for them. I think that is the ideal scenario for most Christians. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you have a question about this podcast, you know, maybe maybe you disagree with me and you want to shoot me an email and let me know. Or maybe you have a question that's completely unrelated that you'd like me to address on a future episode. Either way, please shoot me an email. It's Ortiz at theology for rest of That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theology for the of dot com. I'm Kenny Ortiz and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.